Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, fellow ridiculous historians. I've got to say, first, I'm Ben. Hi. Oh, hey, Ben. It's me, Noel, your old pal. <laughs> and there's our super producer, Casey Pegram. Hello. We're in a different studio today. Uh, just peek behind the curtain. So Casey's actually physically sitting in the same room with us. This is Yeah, it's weird. I have to... Like, be quiet and not make noise. I know. Can't be crinkling a wrapper or something. And you're craning your neck to look at us from <laughs> yeah, the side. Yeah. And, and we have a really, and we can smell each other's musks. Absolutely. I mean, this is a very small little hot box that we're in right now. Sorry, the musk might be me. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a melange of our, all of our musks. Mm-hmm. And all of our musks combined, we are ridiculous history. A potpourri of perfect ridiculousness. Yeah. Did you guys see the, the movie, what was it with Forrest Whitaker? Was it Ghost Dog? Way of yeah, the Samurai. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the RZA soundtrack? Mm-hmm. Or was it? Jizza. It, I think it was RZA. Uh, RZA. It was RZA. Yeah. RZA's yeah, soundtrack. That's right. Jizza does production, but is more, I think, known for his uh, verses. When Wu-Tang forms like Voltron, I believe that RZA is the head. I just saw RZA in the new Jim Jarmusch movie. Oh, oh yeah? How'd he, how'd he do? He was great for his scene. I had issues with the movie. I heard but, the movie was very, like, painfully self-aware. Yeah. But, uh, but no, he, he's, like, got a little cameo. He's with Wu-P.S., so he makes a delivery. <laughs> nice. That's pretty much it. That's great. I I do want to. I'm still a Jarmusch addict, so I'll check out Dead Don't Die. Uh, but this is interesting because in the con- the concept of Ghost Dog, right, is that he is a samurai, and people are often taken aback because they're thinking, "How can this black man be a samurai?" Well, but to be fair, he's also like a modern day kind of self ascribed samurai, isn't he? Right. He does. It. He's not dressed as uh, a samurai in the 16th century. Would be. But today we're going to talk about a uh, historical ghost dog kind of figure, mm-hmm. right? 
Yes, Yasuke, the enslaved African man who became a samurai and fought for Nobunaga. Also, a soft note to any of our Japanese-speaking friends, any of your fellow uh, Japanese-speaking listeners in the audience, none of us speak Japanese. Should we have brought in Lauren Vogelbaum as a Japanese consultant on this one? You know, I thought about it, Noel, but I didn't want to spring it on her at the last minute. She's still recovering from jet lag from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we we welcomed her back yesterday, and it was, uh, it was bittersweet because, you know, I said, welcome back. I'm sorry you had to leave Hawaii. I just sang her the Welcome Back Cotter song mm-hmm. with open arms. Nice. And then we shared a whiskey. You were there. I was there. I was there. I said aloha. She said mahalo. Mm -hmm. And that is the extent of my Hawaiian language knowledge. And you left it at that. And just so you know, our our knowledge of the Japanese language is similarly uh, uh, light. But we're going to do our best on these here pronunciations. Um, Here's the thing. It's not unheard of in the history of the samurai for non-Japanese individuals to reach the heights, uh, I mean, work their way up to the ranks of the samurai. Um, you may have seen that uh, Tom Cruise movie, the what is it, The Last Samurai? The Last Samurai. I yeah. have problems with that film. Well, isn't it kind of a white savior it's, kind of like narrative a little it's bit? It's like Blood Diamond, yeah. you know, and Blood Diamond is the is this very similar thing with Leonardo DiCaprio. Someone is killing a bunch of people, but then they do one decent thing, and because they happen to be white, they're praised. And if I'm not mistaken, don't they both do bad accents in both of those movies? My favorite, uh, my favorite Afrikaner or South African accent is Leonardo DiCaprio. They have a word for people like me, Ubuntu. It means white man in Africa. Ooh. Wow. That's actually, that's, the the accent is so terrible that I did a pretty good job of what Leonardo DiCaprio was doing. Isn't Mbutu also a type of Linux software? I was going to say, it's a Linux distro. I think it, yeah. is. I think it is, yeah. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, so English sailor William Adams, mm-hmm. uh, who was born in 1564, died in 1620, um, came to Japan in 1600, and he did just what we said, rose through the ranks and became himself a very notable samurai. But he was English. Didn't Tom Cruise not do an English accent in the movie, if I'm not mistaken? I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. And I, you know, I was watching it, I think on a plane or something. Yeah. This guy, the English guy, comes after Yasuke. That's right. And he's just the most famous because I've never heard of Yasuke. Yeah, he's just the most famous. There was also one from shortly after Yasuke's period uh, who was from South Korea. There were several from South Korea. There was one guy from the Netherlands. And then there was William Adams, you mentioned. And then there was a, a Chinese national. And then there was one who was unknown. Oh. The Unknown Samurai. That'd be a good movie. <laughs> That's a great just, idea. Just, just name cool alone. Name. Let's just start with the name and work backwards. But no, we have this gentleman whose name is Yasuke, and I can only imagine that that was his name that he was given after coming to Japan. Right, and becoming yeah. A, but they refer to him in all the research that we've seen as that from the start. So we don't know what his name was before this, but I can only assume that that's the case. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Or it's at the very least, it's a Japanization of his original name. So we have a, a couple of theories about his life, but we don't really know anything for certain about his his original life before he arrived in Japan. According to some books, people just sort of assumed that he was from Portuguese-controlled Mozambique because a lot of the people of color who were traveling to Japan 
from Africa were coming from Mozambique. No, that's right, because um, he was an enslaved person. Uh, yes. And he was traveling with a group of uh, Europeans, or I believe a, a gentleman from Portugal, and he was sort of like a manservant to this, um, was it a Jesuit? It was, it was some kind of uh, religious, a member of a religious order, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. He arrived in 1579 as the servant of a Jesuit missionary, Alessandro Valigano. And Alessandro had been appointed what they called the visitor or the inspector of Jesuit missions in the Indies. So that was South and East Asia and East Africa. So he would travel around to all the missions owned by the Jesuits. And a lot of this research comes from a gentleman named Thomas Lockley, who wrote a book called African Samurai, The True Story of Yasuke, a legendary black warrior in feudal Japan. And Ben, as you said uh, at the top of the show, one of the theories is that he came from Mozambique. Others suggest that he came from Sudan uh, and even and trained as a child soldier uh, in Goa and in India. Right, right. The idea being that because of his... To the Japanese, extraordinary height. He's about a foot taller than the average Japanese person. And because of his very, very dark skin, he might have been a member of the Dinka in Sudan. So let's stick with Lockley for a second. This is, again, this is all speculative. There are no corroborating documents mm-hmm. on Yasuke's time. His agreed-upon adventure, as far as the documents go, really does kind of begin in Japan. But Lockley spent nine years researching the story of this of this man, Yasuke. And he believes that Yasuke was abducted from his family by slave traders either of Arab or Indian origin and then trafficked across the Indian Ocean through Arab countries and, as you said, Noel, trained as a child soldier. And it's during this time that Lockley speculates Yasuke meets Alessandro Valigano, uh, the most powerful Jesuit missionary of the day. So Goa was a huge trading missionary military hub. Coastal. Yeah, for the Portuguese empires. And it was a huge center of the slave trade. So it's, it's quite plausible that this is where the Jesuits encounter Yasuke for the first time, right? Yep, I agree completely. Let's backtrack just a little bit and give a little bit of context of what was going on in 16th century Japan at the time. Uh, Huge divides going on, um, a lot of isolation uh, from the outside world. Uh, The country was split into various provinces, and they were ruled by these feudal lords that were, okay, I'm going to do my best on this one. They were called, I think it's daimyos, um, and... This is, of course, a, a nation that is an island, so it has a lot of uh, water that causes it to be isolated in that way. Um, so it really creates its own kind of universe, very isolated. Uh, and that is until European explorers, you know, with ships and fleets seeking adventure, decided to make their way into this, what they thought saw as a very exotic land that they either wanted to conquer or, you know, learn from, or I don't know what the motivation, what do you think, Ben? They didn't have the most successful results at first. The Portuguese were the first Europeans to arrive in Japan, and they brought their entire culture with them, which included uh, the religion and included slavery. And it included our hero, Yasuke. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So as we established, Jisuke arrives in Japan in 1581, and his arrival triggers a literal riot. He he lands in Kyoto, and people wanted to see this extraordinary person and be in his presence because they had never seen anything like this. And the the next few pieces of this story may be offensive to some listeners. But I have personal insight on this, too, because this happened to some of my friends when they went to rural China. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yes way. Yes way, Ted. Uh, So there's a warlord, the most powerful warlord in Japan, Nobunaga Oda. And he sees Yasuke. And at first, he believes this is not a human being. It's either a demon or a god, Daiko Kuten or God of Prosperity, because they're usually represented by black statues and temples. And so he does, this is what he does. He tries to rub what he thinks is ink off of this man's skin and makes him like strip to his waist and then try to rub it off him. And then he goes, oh, my God. He's fascinated by the man. Yeah, he's like, this is really, this is your skin. This is not paint or ink. This has happened within our lifetimes to people in rural China. I had a friend who was traveling out toward western China. Some older person came up. And without so much as a buy your leave, they grabbed my pal's arm and they spat on his arm Ugh. and tried to rub, oh. rub, rub off the skin. And they were they didn't think it was mean. And afterwards, they you know they wanted pictures with him. Well, they wanted to talk. 
Spitting and, on people is never polite behavior. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. No, no. I, I, I can't be a better way to do culture it. where that's appropriate. But this is true. You can. We can kind of see if we exercise some empathy how amazing this must be. This guy is taller than literally everyone. His his skin seems amazing to you, right? And once Oda is finally convinced that this Yasuke character is real, he immediately throws a feast for the guy, and it turns from a riot to a party. Also, again, these are warlord rules, so he pretty much decides the tone of the room. Oh, totally. And the riot element you're talking about, I think, referred to folks trying to get a look at the guy, right? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. So literally just like a kind of feeding frenzy to kind of like, oh, see. Because, oh, it's important to, to remember, this certainly would have been one of the first, if not the first, many of these folks mm. had ever seen of a, of a black man. Yeah, Absolutely. And this is not it's not necessarily a movie moment where it's like Oda is at the Kyoto port. Lord Nobunaga, as he was called, asked for an audience when he heard about all this commotion. And that's when he does the whole thing about rubbing the pigment from his skin and then throwing his feast. And then he hires Yasuke. He makes him his retainer and his bodyguard. Yes, he did uh, eventually make him his bodyguard. For a little while, though, he was treated a little bit more as like a kind of like a source of amusement or kind of like a novelty, kind ah, of an oddity, right? But then he demonstrated because of his training, right, as a child Ooh. soldier and his military prowess, he demonstrated very quickly that he was a very competent and powerful warrior. Um, and he began to learn martial arts as well. Right, right. And he was also versed in Japanese. So we think he, he probably had these conversations. Uh, according to Lockley, Oda loved just sitting around and shooting the breeze with Yasuke, you know, tell me more about your life. There are no records of how much he earned at his time, you know, when he was first sort of a novelty and then when within a month he's a warrior. Uh, we don't know how much he was paid, so Lockley says it's tough to know how high Yasuke ranked. And that's why people, that's why you'll hear a lot of people, including this author, speculate that he was the equivalent of a page or a bodyguard. That's right. But what we do know is uh, a Tokyo-based publisher by the name of Matt Alt, who works for a publishing house called Alt Japan, um, had this to say, that Yasuke was no longer seen as human chattel or any kind of like indentured servant, but he was like all vassals, meaning, you know, a samurai is a is beholden to their lord, the warlord, Oda, yeah. right? Right, and that's why in less than a year, Yasuke went from being a page to becoming one of the upper echelons of Japan's warrior class, the samurai. We should stop just for a second and talk about what a samurai actually is because I suspect uh, that many of us may have a couple of misconceptions. So these are warriors of pre-modern Japan, and later they become the military ruling class and the highest-ranking social caste of the Edo period, which is 1603-1867. They had this sort of code, right, a code by which one would live, maybe similar to the idea of chivalry, but this was Confucian in, in design, right, or in influence. This Bushido, the way of the warrior, Stress things like loyalty to your master, self-discipline, respectful, ethical behavior. And there was also a lot of Zen Buddhism in there. But these might be um, filling any number of roles. You know, some samurai eventually essentially became bureaucrats. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
But uh, but not at this time. No, not not, not at this time. But but Yusuke was literally Oda's like right hand man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got all of this special treatment, um, preferential treatment. He was gifted a ceremonial samurai sword or a katana sword. Um, he dined privately regularly with uh, with Oda, um, which was very enviable um, among the other samurai. He was kind of his favorite, it would seem, uh, based on what we know. He also uh, had his own private residence, which wasn't uh, for everybody, and just seemed to be a, a real asset to the warlord and have a really uh, prominent position in that society. Right. And again, when we're talking about the society, we have to emphasize this is a fractured society. This is not the unified Japan with which we are familiar today. There's a lot of interior fighting. This is the era of warring states. It's a turbulent century in history. And just just in the same way that the Alamo or Antietam conjures these images of generals and founding fathers, so do the key struggles of this period, also called the Sengoku, according, again, to Alt. And Yasuke knows that he is not going to have, he might have a future when he's older as some sort of bureaucrat if he makes it, but in this very violent time, he's going to fight. So within a year of his arrival, he joins Lord Nobunaga's forces in their invasion of the Iga province, IGA. Uh, And they attack this place, which is ringed with mountains. It was called a ninja hotbed with 40,000 to 60,000 troops. And they conquered it. Yeah, and uh, this is from Lockley's account. Uh, He said that this first um, foray into battle was a success. Uh, His second, there was kind of a twist in the story, right? So according to Lockley's account, in June of 1582, Nobunaga's samurai general, Mitsuhide Akichi, attacked his master, Nobunaga, uh, at his residence in Kyoto. He launched a a tactical, you know, offensive. The attack kicked off something that's known as the Battle of Honoji Temple. Um, And that kind of put the kibosh on Nobunaga's plans to bring together these these splintered factions in Japan, right? He wanted to unify the the country. Under his control, as most warlords do. That's fair. (laughs) You know what would make this place great uh, if I were in charge? I'd be swell. (laughs) uh, It doesn't take warlords to think that way, but most do. Yep. So it's it's a tragic, dramatic moment in Japanese history and in Yasuke's personal history. He is fighting tooth and nail during this siege, this storming of the temple. And when Lord Nobunaga sees that defeat appears imminent and unavoidable, he goes back to his thinking of the code under which he has functioned for most of his life. And he says, "Uh, this general has betrayed me, so I have no choice but to commit seppuku or ritual suicide. And that's when, I mean, it's a very specific way of killing oneself, and it's pretty grisly. Oh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies just talking about it, thinking about it. You're disemboweling Um, yourself. You're disemboweling yourself with a very specific short blade. You stick it in, and then you pull it sideways. And essentially, your guts just spill out uh, wherever wherever you stand, and then you fall over dead. I imagine it wouldn't be a quick death. And if it's, if it's something where enemy forces are giving you the option to choose that honorable way out, I believe, and someone checked me on this, I believe the idea was that you were given the option of using the short knife, and if you faltered or you didn't do it correctly or you hesitated, there would be someone standing next to you or nearby with a sword, and they would decapitate you. 
Yeah, in fact, Oda's last order to Yasuke was to take his sword and his decapitated head to his son. Wow. That's daddy. Oh, yeah. my God. So it's grisly. He, Yasuke probably took the head after, after the guy died, after right. Lord Nobunaga died. And he had to take this head because it couldn't fall into someone else's hands. It was considered very dishonorable. So he goes back to Azuchi Castle and starts working for Nobunaga's son, Odo Nobutada. His son also committed suicide after suffering defeat at the hands of the same treacherous general. That's right. And at this point, Yasuke is what we call a ronin, or what I'm sorry, what the Japanese refer to as a ronin, which is a samurai without a master. And that's an image that you see throughout, you know, cinema and like uh, fiction, the idea of the roving, wandering ronin who is beholden to no one. And you think of them as almost like a vigilante of justice out to, you know, right wrongs or whatever. I don't know. Or the crime film with Robert De Niro. Also that. I don't know. I can't. I, you know, I don't even remember what happened at Ronin, but I, I remember being a little unimpressed. Maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe I, I was too young. I don't know that I ever saw that. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And this is where we kind of lose the plot on Yasuke a little bit, right? Um, Lockley does some more of his speculation that he knows and loves so well. Uh, The idea is that Yasuke could have possibly gone back to the Jesuit missionaries. Who knows? He could have been a guard for the Jesuits, but he could have been a sailor. He could have been a pirate. That'd be fun. It's just dream big. 
You, you, know? Just, you know, he, he just needed a change. You know, the whole like handing over the decapitated head of his master to the son, that probably would have turned him a little bit. Well, let's step back a little bit, too, and see that although Lord Nobunaga was pretty progressive and seen past color, Mitsuhide was super racist. He said, this Yasuke character is not human. He's not Japanese. He's not even human. He's a beast. And I refuse to acknowledge him as a samurai. Mm. And he said the problem with this, the one of the reasons he was so offended, probably racism, right. xenophobia, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but another reason is that Yasuke did not commit seppuku, which was the Eastern tradition. Instead, he offered his sword to the general, which is Western tradition. Interesting. So you think it really is kind of the case that Oda, uh, the original master, was a pretty progressive dude for the time. In this instance. In this, no, you know, in this in, instance. In this yes. single what instance. What I'm saying is the way he was treated would not have been the norm. He kind of went I, yeah. out on a limb, you know, but maybe, but if you think about it too, I mean, yes, they obviously became friends, but I, you know, his mm. primary impetus was probably like, look at this big strapping dude that I can put to work for me, you know? Yeah. So there's a little bit of racism even in that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. It's sort of like, uh, Frederick Wilhelm would have said that he loved the Potsdam Giants and was good friends with them, right? But he would still kill them if they didn't do what he wanted. Of course. So so this is almost where the tale ends. Despite his relatively brief time as a samurai, he's been um, a hero in fiction. And a lot of stuff has been based off of him, including the great animated series Afro Samurai. So good. Loosely based. Sure. Yeah, 100%. So loosely based in that it just happens to be a samurai. <laughs> And the thing, too, is there may have been others like him, but we just don't have the same kind of documentation that we do about Mm -hmm. him. Um, He was pictured in a lot of traditional Japanese screen paintings uh, where you you can he stands out among the crowd. You can definitely tell there's like one uh, black person among all of these uh, Mm -hmm. Japanese folks. And he he appears multiple times. Right. 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 There's some. I guess compelling stuff, but it's it's circumstantial. This is the best documented case we have of this sort of contact. There is another figure in Japanese history that some experts will say is of African descent, a fellow named Sakanoye no Tamoramaro. That's a tough one, Ben. You did very well. I did a horrible, piss-poor job I on disagree. That. I well, disagree. Well, thank you. Uh, he was a warrior who, from about 758 to 811 AD, was a palace guard and he was placed in command of forces that the emperor had sent to fight the indigenous people, the Ainu. This warrior was said to have a black complexion. But that's kind of grasping at straws. You know what I mean? There's no one who said this guy came from Africa. And lest we have uh, dropped too many spoilers in this, uh, there is a pretty amazing-looking dramatization of this story uh, that's coming to Netflix in the not-too-far future, uh, where uh, Yatsuke is going to be played by Chadwick Boseman uh, of Black Panther fame. Yes, that's right. Phenomenal actor. And Yasuke does not have a release date yet. The news on the street is just news about casting, but I'm going to watch it. I mean, I already have Netflix. It's kind of a sunk cost, right? What am I going to do? Not watch it? Exactly. No, you're not going to not watch it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, I am very much looking forward to it now that uh, Game of Thrones has let us all down so hard. Uh, and also, you know, just the fact that it's gone. Like, not that 
the fact that it was a disappointing ending is neither here nor there. I need something to fill the vacuum that is my Sunday night the, and the hole in my heart. I'm just waiting for the books. I don't think the story's over because there's still two more books. If you're listening, George R.R. R. Martin, know you're a big fan of the show. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe George, if you're listening, maybe you've just been so busy listening to Ridiculous History that you haven't had time to sit down and write those other two novels. If so, we apologize to every Song of Ice and Fire fan out there. Yeah, it's all our fault. It's mainly Casey's. Uh-huh. We got a very non-committal <laughs> nod there. <laughs> we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, what else we got? Well, it's uh, th- this is the end of our episode, but not the end of our show. We'd like to hear your stories of other, let's say, unorthodox outsiders who made a name for themselves in society, similar to the way Yasuke did. You know what I mean? And this could traverse gender, ethnicity, religious creed. Let us not forget that religious differences that seem relatively minor to a lot of us today in an increasingly secular United States were huge deals for thousands of years. It's true. It's true. Yeah, write us in. Give us your stories of uh, outsiders making a splash. You can write to us at ridiculous at iheartradio.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook group, The Ridiculous Historians, where I think all you have to do is name either me, Ben, or Casey or just say something cute. Or, yeah, just make make one of us laugh. Uh Uh, Yes, you can also find us on our Twitters, on our Instagram. Uh, you can find our personal adventures on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter, and I'm at Ben Bolin on Instagram. I don't really tweet too much. I, I occasionally lurk in other people's tweets, but uh, not not my thing. So I am pretty exclusively on Instagram at How Now Noel Brown. Big thanks to Super Producer Casey Pagram for holding it down in the sweat box. Uh, big thanks to Alex Williams who composed our theme. Big thanks to Gabe Luzier. Big thanks to Christopher Hasiotis. Uh, big thanks to you for listening, and extra big thanks to you, Noel. Uh, I uh, I return your thanks with thanks of my own uh, for you and all you do for the just you know history at large. One day, this is so weird. I I have this dream. There's nothing to do with anything. I have this dream of throwing like an old fashioned pizza party for us and all the ridiculous historians. You know, like where you would rent out a skating rink or bowling alley. I just got to find the right location. Tell us if you'd be down for that. Totally. We should totally do a meetup. Maybe we should uh, get on the historian's page and see if there's enough folks in Atlanta to hang out sometime. Let's check it out. We'll see you soon, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time... 
Get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.